You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. As always, like and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So, George, one big question mark, one big area of concern we had coming to the season, the wide receiver group. It was Michael Pittman Jr., who was the only one who really was relied upon before, who actually had a proven track record, and a bunch of guys with question marks. And I hate to say it, after one game where I was hoping one guy would show up, maybe two guys could kind of make a few plays and kind of get you know things going in the right direction – Actually, the total opposite. It was Michael Pittman Jr. And for the most part, really, no one else. It's a major concern going forward how how little this wide receiver core can be relied upon outside of number 11. And it's, again, it's the small margin in the NFL. You know, you talk about it being a game of inches. It's a game of plays, honestly. And you don't necessarily need somebody else to have a 75-yard day. That'd be nice. It'd be great. It would open a lot of things up. But what you need is people to make the plays in the moment when it comes to them. We talked earlier about them having far fewer points than you would expect for, for what they did offensively. I mean, they moved the ball. They just didn't finish drives. And that's frustrating, and it's always going to be frustrating. But part of that was two drop passes in the end zone. You know, if Alec Pierce pulls in a touchdown pass early in the game, it's 10 to nothing. It, it changes the entire flow of that football game and then Ashton Doolin had a chance when they're trying to make a comeback to, to pull in a touchdown if those two catches are made the game doesn't go to overtime the Colts are winners if Matt Ryan has three touchdowns we're probably not talking quite as much about his day it, it's more of a mad day for him than a day where you where you're kind of concerned about him one play each I mean that that's what it takes these guys do not have to go out and have 100 yards if they do it's great it's it's, it's an extra bonus but when you're called on, when you're open and you're in the end zone, when your quarterback in Alec Pierce's case extends a play, which I thought was one of the better things Ryan did today in the pocket and gives you a, a catchable ball in the end zone, you got to pull it in. And it's that simple. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, from the team standpoint, we can as outsiders be as frustrated as we want and we can even give up if we want to. You, you have that right as a fan or as a media member. The team can't have that mindset. And I think that's one of the things they're clinging to right now is – all of this is correctable. You know, make a catch here, hold on to a ball there, don't commit a penalty here. It's a totally different story today. And, and you're right. And that's part of the, you know, I think it also goes into now going forward, you know, the lack of trust that is, it almost started form. Like I said, you had two touchdowns, should have been caught that warrant. And even so, when you look at, you know, the stat sheet, nine guys were targeted. So you would think, okay, on the surface, 
Matt Ryan spreading the ball out. He's not really looking one way. But you actually watch the game, especially later on in the game, and really on third down, outside of Paris Campbell having one really nice third down conversion in overtime that should have helped set up what was a game-winning field goal. Anytime there's a third down, anytime there's a big need at play here, Matt Ryan's only looking in one direction. Here's Michael Pittman Jr. So again, kind of the same thing we were talking about before, and I think it's also telling as well, when you have such an experienced guy, Matt Ryan, to where he's only looking in one direction, that kind of goes to show you, even in training camp when you're winning some nice one-on-one battles, when it comes down to the heat of the moment, there is still a lot of guys on this team he's not trusting. Yeah, well, and I think it also affected play calling. You know, I think a lot of times when you're looking at it, like, why did they run here? A lot of it had to do with trust in those receivers. You know, if, if you call this play, is someone going to make the play? I will say one guy, and it wasn't a big production, but it's big for him. One guy who did kind of have a good day and, and, and maybe gives you some hope moving forward was Mike Strom. You know, he had a big catch in overtime. I think he had a big catch early in the in the game as well. Uh, he's got to do more, obviously, and the Colts need more from more people like that. But if there's one guy in that receiving group who I would say, add a boy to today, it's Mike Trump. I thought Ashton Doolin, too, had a decent game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a few nice plays. But like I said, it was nice to see also Strawn on the field and making some catches and making some plays. Like I said, in some, in some crunch time moments. But it also goes to show you, when Mike Strawn on the field, we saw Alec Pierce really not on the field that much either after that uh, drop touchdown that he had, which again goes to show when you have an opportunity to make a play, you don't do so. It's tough to kind of earn that trust back. And Matt Ryan all of a sudden quickly, very quickly started looking at anywhere else. But even also, so, also the big hit with, with Pierce. Yes. I don't think, I think he was okay. Uh, he yes. seemed okay in the locker room, but that, that's, that's one of the things that lingers, you know, we already won't know about that for sure till Monday or Tuesday. Uh, but that, that had a factor too, I'm sure, on, on the rookies game. Right, had his helmet on, which is at least assuming that he was clear to go, mm-hmm. which is a good sign. But and he did play after that. Mm-hmm. But... Right, that's true. Even, even psyche wise, confidence wise too. Maybe you know it's kind of a, almost a welcome to the NFL kind of moment right there. But also, it's a little bit concerning too when you don't have the offense or the skilled position players. I should say stepping up because now that puts a lot more workload on Jonathan Taylor's plate. He had a tremendous game, 161 rushing yards, really picked up right where he left off last year um, against, you know, the two uh, two times played against the Texans. But, you know, we thought at least, okay, part of the benefit of bringing Matt Ryan in is to limit the workload of Jonathan Taylor because you're not going to have to rely on him as much because now you have an experienced quarterback that can make more plays in the passing game consistently than the previous quarterback here. And instead, you look up, it's 31 carries. And like you said, a lot of the time, especially in overtime, a lot of those drives you know, in the late in the fourth quarter and overtime were based on number 28. Our excellent producer is pointing out here. The hit actually, it, it caused Alec Pierce to, to change his face mask. So that's why it was out of the game for a little while. A bolt came loose. That's how hard he got hit. Uh, and they had to actually go and get him a new face mask and, and get that changed according to the, the Colts radio broadcast. So that's one of the things sometimes you miss up here in the press box. We're, we're quite a bit away from the action. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, Jonathan Taylor had a Herculean effort. I mean, he's he's definitely a guy that, that you feel he did everything you expected him to do today. Michael Pittman did everything you expected him to do today. I don't know if the other 51 guys on the roster can look themselves in the mirror and say, maybe Quiddy Pay. He had a pretty huge day uh, late, you know, and, and, and made some huge plays. Uh, but it across the board, all three phases, it really doesn't matter. Whatever you want to look at, they didn't get the job done. That's the bottom line. Absolutely did not. And one unit that was, I thought was really disappointing. I mean, look, there's a lot of units. The offensive line, like, again, allowed two sacks, and Jonathan Taylor goes for 161 yards. So, again, on paper, it doesn't look that bad. 
but especially the first three quarters, Matt Ryan looked to be under siege. He was getting pressure. There's a, I feel like it always, he was kind of rolling out, having a duck under, having almost wait another beat or two to avoid the rush. I was really disappointed in this Colts, you know, front five, because again, just you're going to get to Texans, you know, front four. That's not very good. There was, you know, a few blitzes, but it wasn't, you know, they weren't blitz heavy all game long. You have to be able to give Matt Ryan time. And that was one area where the Colts absolutely could not. No. And again, I think I give him some credit for, for making some plays late in the down. You know, I think he did some things with his footwork. He's never going to be considered athletic. He's never going to be considered fleet of foot, but he, he took off and run, ran a couple of times and got a couple of first downs that were really necessary. Uh, but he also stayed in the pocket you know, just moving around in the pocket and keeping a play alive. Uh, a couple of decent pass plays came out of that. You, you don't want to see that. That's not, I don't think the Colts are going to be comfortable if he's running around like that all year long. And you are going to see Look, I think the Texans front four has improved. You, you bring in somebody like Jerry Hughes, it's better than it was a year ago, but you're going to see a lot better pass rushes than, than, than you saw out there today uh, and probably next week. I mean, one of the things Jacksonville's always done well, <coughs> excuse me, is is up front, you know, bringing that, that pressure. That's how they've really gotten to the Colts so many times uh, over the course of, you know, what is it, six straight years, seven straight yep. years. <laughs> Uh, where they've lost in Jacksonville, that's been the story of those games. And so when you see that happen today, that's a huge concern when you think about where they're going next week. Jerry Hughes, I mean, also, George, I mean, would it kill Jerry to have some of that production uh, in Indy like he had today? I mean, my goodness gracious, he looked like a man possessed. He was all over the field, getting in the backfield. Jerry, you know, don't be shy, man. Could We could have used that a few years ago. Hey, he had that interception too. And Matt Ryan basically described it the same way you did. He said, he's got to find a better passing lane. He was also frustrated because he thought everything about that play set up, right. They got the look they wanted. They had the look after the play that they wanted. And he threw the ball in an unideal spot. And Hughes comes down with that interception. That's another game turning moment. I mean, if that's a big play for the Colts, you know, again, we're probably having a different conversation right now, but that's, that's the whole point of the game to me right now. You could go to a handful of plays. You could go pick whatever you want. The missed field goal, the running into the kicker penalty, the two touchdown passes that were dropped, the fumbled snaps, that interception, change one of them, and you change everything about this game. It was, that's infuriating to say the least. And this is an exercise where it's probably easier, George, to – Talk about the the one or two guys that actually played well compared to highlighting all all the uh, all the units and players that played bad today. But another one that deserves criticism and I thought had a, a subpar day was Frank Reich. I mean, starting really starting off with the, the wildcat call and fourth and goal, which really made no sense whatsoever. Uh, having Naeem Hines take the direct snap, fake the fake the jet sweep to Jonathan Taylor, and kind of run it in your uh, try to run it in himself. I would like that call if it's first and goal. You know, we've seen that work to, you know, have a lot of success last year. Fourth and goal, I don't like the call. I thought Frank Reich overall play calling wise did have a rough day. And it really kind of started right there on that drive, that, that fourth and goal call. And really from there, I feel like everything kind of the wheels came off. Yeah. And I think in that one, the Texans defensive end did something they didn't expect. They gave them the look they thought they wanted. And then they did something with their defensive end that the Colts didn't see coming and blew up the entire play. So sometimes that happens as well. But again, that's why it's it's probably not a great idea to do it on fourth and goal. I always feel like in a situation like that, you want it in one of your best players' hands. You know, that that's either you're looking for Michael Pittman or you're giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor. You really don't want to do anything else when you really need it in a situation like that. Uh, I really, yeah, I don't think it was a great day for for Frank in a lot of ways. And I, I'll go back to the field goal. Uh, they could have been more aggressive. You know, he, he's kind of playing there for the yards. And I get it. I'm not letting Blankenship off the hook. An NFL kicker needs to make a 42-yard game winner indoors. I'm not. 
I'm not at all right. lessening that part of this. But I think from the head coach's spot, you, if you're a little more aggressive there, it's maybe a shorter kick, or maybe you can still get in the end zone. And you know, I, I thought there were there's always a lot of things that go wrong on, on any given play. Uh, I, I really like the rollout call on third down, and I think they had Mo Alley Cox open. Unfortunately, Ryan got pressure right away and and was not able to to you know get it to him. Uh, and that sack obviously was something they were willing to take because you were mm-hmm. in field goal range. That call I don't really mind, but the runs before that. Everybody, all 60,000 people in the stadium knew Jonathan Taylor was going to get the ball in that situation. Uh, I just feel like being a little more aggressive there, maybe running a slant to Pittman, you know, looking at that point, Paris Campbell had started to step up. He had made a big play earlier in that drive. Mike Strawn had a big catch. If there was ever a point in the game to go ahead and look for some of those receivers, it felt like it was building there. And like you said, the, the field goes a layup. So in a sense, if you're a head coach, all right, there's no reason to kind of risk it. But also, isn't that why you got Matt Ryan? Especially, again, we, we just kind of talked about him in his, I thought, really bad three quarters. But fourth quarter overtime, he was making a lot of throws. He was in rhythm. Isn't that a time where that's why you get Matt Ryan to kind of trust him in those situations? Get a, you know, maybe a 15-yard cheapy because everyone set off for the run. Or who knows? I mean, you get a one-on-one slant, breaks a tackle. Touchdown game over. You don't even need to worry about a field goal. You're right. That, that's a situation where I thought for such an aggressive coach that Frank Reich is, he could have been a little bit more aggressive there and trust the quarterback that you brought in, you know, the the, the veteran and Matt Ryan to make a play and not lose to the game where you couldn't have that luxury last year because obviously the, the trust for Carson Wentz clearly was not there. But yeah. That's where it goes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I will say this. I mean, the team itself, Quentin Nelson was talking about Ryan, and he said, look, this guy is walking. It's 20 to three, and he's walking up and down the sideline, and he's telling us, we're going to come back. We're going to win. That's what you brought him in for. But you can't just do it on the sideline. you got to trust him as well, like you said, on play calling. And I, I'd say the same thing about the Wildcat. Why are you taking Matt Ryan off the field there? There's, there's no reason to do that. Fourth and goal, again, first and goal, sure, try it. It's a gimmicky look. See what happens. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Fourth and goal, that's not the time to gamble. Uh, you know, it's early season for Frank Reich too. Uh, he's going to have bad games like anybody else, but this, this was definitely one of them. And I think he kind of acknowledged that, you know, he, he didn't come out straight out and say it in the, in the, in the press conference. He did in a couple areas. Uh, but you know, I think once he sits down and, and, and watches this and digests it, he's going to feel like there were things he would have done differently. So to put a kind of bow on at least the negativity here for week, number one, George, who, whether it's a player, whether it's a positional group, whether it's even a coach, who would you kind of look at and say, I was the most disappointed or, or wasn't expecting this bad of a performance in week one? I'm going to go with the offensive line. I mean, the this team's built to win in the trenches. And that's what they're supposed to do. Frank Reich and Chris Ballard have said that since day one, literally day one, that they've been together. Uh, and when this team wins and when this team's rolling and when this team looks at its best, the offensive line is leading the way. They got better, like like everything else in the game. They got better in the fourth quarter, but like everything else in the game, it was not a pretty sight in the first three, and they can't do it. And it was it was all areas. Look, they, they again they started to run the ball better earlier than they started to throw the ball better, but you, you're gonna need more out of the tackles in particular. I mean, I think you could expect that Matt Pryor might struggle a little, struggle a little bit in his first start. I thought Braden Smith didn't have a really good game today either. 
you've got to get it done. You know, they often it all starts with the offensive line. They say it themselves every opportunity they get. They know it. They take that on their shoulders. If you're going to do that, if you're going to say that you're a team that wins in the trenches and your linemen are going to say, put it on us, you got to deliver. I, I like that's a good one. I like that because, like I said, and also too, with, with how much talent there is, it's this, it almost felt like Jacksonville reincarnated last year from last year, just how, you know, poor they looked and how much pressure consistently Houston was able to get. Um, I'm going to go with the defense, like overall the defense, because even though, again, they held Houston at 20 points. And they were able, especially in the fourth quarter, really start getting after Davis Mills. The first three quarters, there was no pressure there. The um, the Texans were kind of having their way, both passing and running. Davis Mills had a pretty, you know, pretty solid day: two hundred forty yards, two touchdowns. And the Texans that second quarter, hundred and thirty-one yards uh, in that quarter alone. It was just maddening because again, the offense was killing themselves and kind of, you know, hurting their, the, you know, not getting anything done in their own right. But it's the defense. When there's so much talent there, when you have a really good secondary, when you bring in Yannick and Gakwe and kind of you know really try to to make your bones getting after the quarterback with four guys against a less talented team like the Texans, you have to be able to do it. You have to be able just to kind of fly around, make tackles. And for three quarters, they were not doing that. Credit to them again. Fourth quarter in overtime, they locked down. Um, but by that point, it's almost too late because for the first three quarters, they couldn't get off the field. They're allowing long drives to be sustained, even though that's sure, you know, they, they, you know, held for a few field goals. It's one of those things where you're on the field that long and you're allowing momentum to change and you have to be able to, to flip a game on its head, even when they're, especially when there's no turnovers caused for the first three quarters. And I'll tell you what, though, the, the run defense came through, and I think that's what's disappointing as well. We thought coming into the game, I was with you 100%. That was the area you had to worry about the most. That's where you were most concerned. They came in, and they they stopped the run, or at least they did it well enough. They probably could have been a little better. I think when you tie, you could have been better in every area, but the run defense was not – it was very low on the list of concerns today, and that makes it all the worse, what we saw from the rest of the defense. I think if they had a day that was disappointing, that's where we would have pointed. They didn't have trouble with that. And yet you still had so much struggles getting to the quarterback, making impact plays. That's what this defense is here to do. Force turnovers, get sacks. You know, are they missing Shaquille Leonard? I'm sure, but you can't put it all on him either. Zaire Franklin said during the week, all week long, Shaq's not out there. It means that there's a lot of plays that aren't being made. We've got to step up and make those plays. They didn't do it early enough in this game today. To your point, too, I mean, you held the Texans to 77 yards, average just 2.8 yards per carry. So for all the concerns we had coming in about the run defense, they did a really good job, to, to which even, you know, hammers home the frustration more of, all right, if you're locking down the run, then you really should have, you know, kind of your way with Davis Mills and not allow him to kind of sustain long drives. And, you know, you should be able to get out the field quicker than they did the first three quarters. Like you said, it's just, it's frustrating. And go back to Shaq Leonard. Look, I'll least been on the record for sure. Don't play him. You know, week three is kind of your opening week. You don't need him to be the Texans. Clearly, they needed him to be the Texans today. But also, too, it's it's not like Shaq Leonard got hurt on Friday. And it's like, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. oh, my God, like now we got to figure out a whole new game plan. They have known for a real long time, the entirety of training camp, he was not there. So, EJ Speed, Zaire Franklin, they were already used to kind of filling in his role. So, that should be even more uh, or even less of an excuse because they have gotten the necessary reps all throughout training camp to be ready for this game, to be ready to step in for his role. And then you see, you know, week one, it's still more of the same. Yep. They just didn't get it done. And I, at the end of the day, that's, I mean, we keep hammering on the same point, but that's all, that's what's about. They didn't finish. You know, we talked about at least two podcasts during training camp. That's the key. 
You know, are you going to, is this going to be the team that finishes? Are they going to come out there? They're going to find guys are going to step up in those big moments and make the plays that have to be made. Not today. 